Oh, you're amazing. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Uh, we have all in our lives at different times had these moments or these opportunities where, you've, where we've watched a certain individual or maybe we've watched a group of individuals and they've accomplished something or they perform something or they, they're in the process and we watch them and we're just we're astonished by what they've done. And they, and they do it in such a way that as we watch it, it looks easy. It almost looks like it's effortless, but we know it's incredibly difficult. We recognize that what they're doing, there was so much preparation that went into the process. Essentially, we begin to recognize they at some point said to themselves, I'm going to do something awesome. And then they prepared to do awesome. And then eventually we got to actually watch them do awesome. And in those times where we see somebody do awesome, we're we're impressed. And we know as we watch that, we're like, okay, that wasn't the first time you tried that. You've, You've done that before. We see that there was countless hours of practice that went into it. We know that there was attempts that they've done before. There was practice. There was planning. There was revision. There were mistakes. There were corrections. There was effort. All of that went into this moment that now we're watching them do this thing that is awesome. And we're blown away by it. But we recognize there was all this effort that went into it beforehand. As they began the process of deciding to do awesome, they had to do some things in order to allow them to be able to complete this awesome task. Now, three weeks ago, we started a series called Let's Do Awesome, with the idea or the goal being to investigate and to start to discover how we can approach life and how we can approach relationships with the ability and the desire to begin to say, let's do awesome. Now, now maybe for you, it's a different word. Maybe, you know, you're cooler than me and you don't use the word awesome. But I think at the end, we would all eventually say, you know what? I would like for my life to be described as, a, as an awesome life, as a life that has been lived in an awesome way. And we've been looking at different areas that Jesus calls us to and that Jesus invites us to in order to have an awesome life. We started trying to unpack what does that look like? How do we make that happen in our life? How do we make that possible? Today, I want to break it down even further. I want to start to look at some choices, some actions, some things that you and I can take that if we'll begin to live out these things, it will allow us to begin to say, yeah, let's do awesome. And as we begin to look at these things, we'll begin to see, ah, yeah, okay, I'm understanding what this means. Because in our lives, from time to time, we'll see somebody that's living a life that's awesome. We'll begin to watch their life and they're like, oh, wow, I I want my life to look like that. And sometimes when we see somebody that's living the way we want to live, we're like, that looks really easy. How are they pulling that off? Well, to live an awesome life, it's just like one of those awesome performances. There was preparation that took place. We're astonished by the way that they live, but we have to understand somebody that's living a life that's awesome, they've been making decisions along the way. They've been making choices along the way. They're doing little things each and every day that have allowed them to reach the point where we look at their life and we're like, whoa, that's awesome. Now, what we know is that Jesus never actually used the word awesome. Okay, we've uncovered that. Um, But we found places within scripture where Jesus tells us to be great. But what we've seen in the first couple of weeks is in the original language of Greek, he didn't use the word great. He actually used the word magus. Now, the word magus means large or great in the widest sense, large or great in the widest sense. So if magus means large or great in the widest sense, it doesn't make sense to me that you could just use the word great. It's not big enough. It's got to be great to the widest sense. So we've decided that magus means awesome. So when Jesus said, hey, go do great. He wasn't actually just saying great. He was saying, go do awesome. In the first couple of weeks, we looked at a time where Jesus was asked. Somebody came along and said, hey, Jesus, what's the most important commandment? He said, there's two. First one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And then he said, that's the first and greatest commandment. 
Then he said, love your neighbor as yourself. And that's just as great as the first. But both times that he said, this is the greatest commandment or this one is just as great. He used the word magus. So he didn't just say this is the great commandment or this is our greatest thing. He said, this is the most awesome commandment. Then last week, we looked at the idea of where Jesus said, the greatest among you must be a servant. But he didn't actually use the word great. He used the word magus. He said, the magus among you must be a servant. Or as we've said, the most awesome among you must be a servant. And so based on all of this idea of awesome, what we begin to realize is there's this essential decision that you and I need to make. And ultimately, if you and I are willing to make a commitment to the awesome commandments and the awesome commission done with awesome compassion, it will grow an awesome church full of awesome followers of Jesus. And if you're filling in those blanks, I've mentioned before, you just write awesome, 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 awesome. And that gets that one filled out. But ultimately, you and I have this opportunity to live a life that's awesome. And it starts when we begin to make this commitment. And this morning, I want to begin to look at what Jesus was telling his closest followers right before he left earth and returned to heaven. Now, in full transparency, he never uses the word great or even the word magus in these verses. But biblical commentaries and and biblical scholars have started to call this section of what he was telling his, his followers, they started calling it the Great Commission. So we're just going to hijack it, and we're on a real roll with this awesome thing, so we're going to call it the Awesome Commission. Because it's way better than just great. It's the awesome commission that, God, that Jesus called us to. It's in the book of Matthew, which is about four-fifths of the way into your Bible. It's in your message notes. It's on the screen. Here's what Jesus was saying to his followers just before he left earth. He said this. He said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Essentially, he's just saying real quick, listen, if you have a relationship with me, If you know me, you can't just keep it to yourself. You need to go tell people. Go share it. Let people know about me. And then he moves on. He says this. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. This is is awesome right here. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So essentially he's saying, listen, if you want to have an awesome life, go tell people about me. And then don't just tell them about me. Teach them to obey all that I've commanded. So if you and I want to have an awesome life, essentially what we have to recognize is that in order to have an awesome life, it happens when we learn to obey. And then we begin to enter into this relationship with Jesus where he's with us always. Now, listen, if you don't follow Jesus, he doesn't just like bail out on you. But as you and I begin to obey and as Jesus moves through that process with us, he's right there all along the way. And if we make choices and we go off on our own, we're like, where are you? Well, he's right there. But but now we've kind of walked ourselves into those situations. But this awesome life happens when you and I begin to decide to obey. When we begin to lean on and learn that we need to follow who Jesus is and what he calls us to do. And as we begin to obey, as we begin to respond, as we begin to learn what it looks like to be a true follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, we begin to discover and we begin to recognize that when we obey, the more that we obey, the more we grow. And the more that we grow, the more obedient we become. See, when we decide to respond to the life that God calls us to, it begins to stretch us. It begins to, we begin to discover new things, and we actually begin to discover that when we obey, it works. We're like, wait a minute, he said to do that. And then we do it, and all of a sudden we're like, well, that worked. And we begin to grow. And as we begin to grow, we're like, well, it worked last time, so maybe I'll obey again. And so then we try it again, and we're like, it worked. And we start, this sort of this repetition or this new thing happens where we grow, and then we obey more, and then we obey more, and we grow. And, the, and we just begin to discover in life that the more obedient we are, the more we grow. And the more we grow, the more we obey. 
And all of a sudden, this growth and obedience thing begins to play out, and we begin to discover this life that is awesome. And obedience begins to lead to this situation where we're like, oh yeah, he was right. This is the awesome commission. Let's go do awesome. Let's follow this idea that he's called us to. Now at Silver Creek, we've basically created a vision statement. And this idea of of following and growing and obedience and, and the transformation of that pours right into our vision as a church. Here's our vision as a church. We want to create opportunities for people to be transformed by God. So essentially, what we want to do as a church is we want to provide opportunities for you to obey and grow and then obey and then grow and then grow and obey and again and again and again. And then this growth begins to be discovered and we begin to find the beauty in obedience. And as we obey, God begins to transform our lives. And within that transformation, we begin to realize that we're living out a life that is awesome. And we're beginning to understand the full extent of what God intends for us to experience in life. So this morning, I want to talk to you about some things that you and I need to do repeatedly. Some things that need to become consistent about the way that we live to ultimately bring the transformation that God desires us to have in our life. To lead us to that awesome life that he's intended for us to have. First area of obedience is this, is weekly corporate worship. Weekly corporate worship. When we gather together with other people who are believing similarly, it's encouraging begin to look around the room and say, yeah, we all believe in... That's encouraging. When we surround ourselves with other people that have a common desire to live out an awesome life, we become stronger. When we have the opportunity to hear the truth from God's word out of the Bible on a regular basis, it creates the foundation for daily living. When we get together and we begin to sing and we begin to proclaim what an amazing God we serve and how incredible he is, it gives us a new perspective It helps us understand our place before God, and it begins to allow us to understand what a remarkable privilege it is to be in relationship with him. Now, you're probably aware of this, but um, church is voluntary, right? Nobody makes you come. Unless you're one of my kids, then you don't have a choice. But for the rest of you, it's pretty much optional, right? You come if you want to, or, you know, I guess if you're a kid here, your parents might have made you come, whatever. But for the most part, we all choose whether we're going to go to church or not. But if you hear what I just was explaining about the benefit of coming to church and the fact that we get stronger and we get encouraged and we've established a foundation for life, it's essential that we show up if we're going to actually begin to live a life that's awesome. The Bible stresses it this way in the book of Hebrews. It says, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And it's so easy to write church off. To make excuses for why we can't be there. To allow other opportunities to take a higher priority. Here's the deal. I think Silver Creek's incredible. I better think that. I helped design it. So, like, I think you would know that I would think that, you know. So, that's why we should, you know. But my thought is this. As amazing as this church is, and as much as I want it to provide opportunities for you to be transformed by God, if you can't get here consistently... You need to find a place that you can get to consistently. And I know as a pastor, you should, I shouldn't be like chasing you away, which I'm not trying to chase you away. I want you to be here. Our desire is for you to be in this church. But if you find yourself consistently saying again and again, the reason that you couldn't make it to church, well, the time's not right for me. The day's not right for me. Find a place that has the right day and the right time. It's more important to me that you're in a church consistently than you're at Silver Creek once in a while. Maybe you're thinking, you know what, it's just too far of a drive. Find a drive that's shorter. 
And again, I, if you live in Oregon and you're willing to drive all the way here for church, I'm not going to talk you out of that. But if you ever find yourself coming up I-5 like, this is a long drive, I'm going to turn around, find something closer. Maybe you're like, I don't know if I like the preaching. Nah, that's not a thing. We would never. But let's say you're going to another church and you're like, I don't like that preaching. Then you could come here, right? I just... <laughs> you can get tired of me. I understand. I get annoying sometimes. But for whatever it is, like, if there's something that you're using, there's an excuse. Get rid of it. You need to be in church on a weekly basis. You need to make it a priority. So let me challenge you to do this. On a scale of 1 to 10, and don't ask me, like, what's higher, 1 or 10? Do you pick? I don't care. Your, we're not turning these in. Rate yourself. In the area of gathering corporately once a week to worship, where do you land? How important is it to you? What can you do to make it more important? What can you do to make it a priority in your life to gather together? Another essential choice that helps us grow is this, is finding a connect group to join. Find a connect group that you can join. Connect groups are like duct tape, right? Duct tape sort of fixes anything, right? You got a leaky faucet, duct tape. You break the tent on your, you break the pole on your tent, duct tape. The bumper on your car falls off, duct tape. Your kid breaks his arm, duct tape, right? Like duct tape can be the answer to everything. Connect groups are similar. Maybe there's an area of your life you're like, I want to grow and develop connect group. Maybe you, maybe there's a way that you want to know more people connect group. Maybe you're at a place in life and you've got some needs and you're trying to figure out how to process those. Connect group. Connect groups will speak and help to all of these situations. And maybe the connect group itself doesn't address the very thing you're needing or looking at, but the people within the group have gone through similar things. And those relationships are what we're after. That's why we do things like interest groups. You're like, why would a church have a pizza eating group? We don't have pizza. Why would we play volleyball? Because we want to create connections. We want to make those relationships. And, and Sunday mornings are important, but we don't have any hope or even any thought that you're going to connect with everybody that's here. We don't even, that's not even our plan. Our hope is that you come, we worship together, we gather, we encourage each other, and we go. We're going to make connections and relationships through these groups. That's where it's going to happen. Those two things have to go hand in hand. We worship together, all of us, on Sundays. And then we meet with a few people during the week. In groups where we encourage and support one another. Where we live out the truths of the things that we heard on Sunday. This is what it says in the book of Acts. It says, and all the believers met together constantly and shared everything they had. Creating and developing relationships has to happen on a continual effort through repetition. They met constantly. That means they met again and again and again and again. You get constantly, right? Elizabeth and Travis just walked you through an entire catalog. There is something in there that works for you. If you can't find a group within that catalog, we will literally never be able to create a group that fits for you. Just like there are enough groups, there are enough dates, there are enough times, there are things in there that would work for you. And I would say this, there's no more excuses. Decide this morning. Decide this morning that you're going to do whatever it takes to join at least one Fall Connect group. Just one. See, we need to connect with each other. We can't live in isolation and expect to fully do, develop and grow the way God intends for us to grow. We have to pursue relationships. 
And at some point, if you and I haven't been able to find a group that's offered here at Silver Creek, because we've offered so many different groups, if we're not able to find a group, we're simply resistant to the idea. So no excuses. Don't make up more reasons why it doesn't work. Just decide you're going to do whatever it takes. Change your schedule. Stop doing something else. Maybe even join a group that's not exactly what you're looking for. Maybe it doesn't fit exactly what you're after, but take a step. Join a group. And if you're not willing to join a group, then you simply need to admit, I'm not interested in following what God is instructing me to do. Otherwise, you're just making excuses. (laughs) That was all fun, right? We're all like, okay, you can stop now. That preaching thing, I agree. You're like... All right, so let's see if I can get you to like me again. Uh, Next way to create some opportunities for transformation is this, is daily make time to read the Bible. We watch the news in the evening so we know what's happening in the world. We check Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest to see what's going on with our friends. We look at email every day, multiple, multiple times a day to see what information we need to know about. The Bible is God's way to communicate each and every day with you and I about what he wants to say. That only happens when we take time to actually read it or listen to it. So the news informs us about the world. Social media informs us about our friends. Email tells us about specific things that we need to know. The book of Psalms tells us what the Bible brings for us. It says this, it says, Your word, God's word, the Bible, is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. The problem is we're all really good at life. We all have a pretty good idea how life works. We know how to manage aspects of our life. And there's times where we're like, I don't know that I really need a lamp. Not sure I need a light to guide me. I know how this works. I know my bedroom really well. I know right where my bed sits. I know right where our dressers are at. I know where my nightstand is at. I know where the extra set of drawers are. I know where the laundry hamper is. My wife has made this great commitment to our family that, uh, and a willingness to go work at Starbucks. It provides great insurance for us, and so she's a barista at Starbucks, which means that she has to get up really early most mornings. Actually, she gets up before morning most mornings. She has to be there at like 3 a.m. That means she has to go to bed really early, which means I come to bed, I get into our room, and it's dark almost every night. But it's not a problem. I know where everything is. I found my dresser several times with my toes. Misjudged the edge of the bed one time and literally like tripped myself in. Bent over to take a sock off one time and knelt right, right into the dresser. Just bam. Done that only once. <laughs> now I'm like, okay. One time I sat down in the middle of the bed and I went to lay down and I discovered I was way closer and I discovered why we call it a headboard. But I had it now. I had bruises front and back. So that was good. But it's okay. I know where everything in my bedroom is. Wouldn't it make sense for me to turn on a light? Get a nightlight, right? But we often say, I know where it is all. I know all of it. I know where it's at. That's what the Bible wants to be for us in our lives. or what it can be for us in our lives. We think we've got it all figured out. We know where everything sits. We know how life plays out. And then we stub our toe. And then we get tripped up. And then we bang our heads. There's a light for our path. There's a lamp for our feet. Lights and lamps don't work until we turn them on. Which is why we have to decide to daily make time to read the Bible. And we're all busy and we all have tons of responsibility. But the only way to daily light our paths, to provide a lamp for our feet, to avoid those bumps and those bruises in our life, 
is to spend time reading. Spend time in God's word. And I can't make you do it. And your spouse can't make you do it. And you can't guilt your spouse into doing it. It doesn't work. Parents can't make you do it. Your kids can't make you do it. Your connect group leader can't make you do it. Each of us individually have to decide, okay, I'm going to read my Bible each day. You know that it'll never accidentally happen? You will never accidentally find yourself reading your Bible. (laughs) Well, how did I do that? It never happens. Right? You have to have a strategy. And there's, there's so many different tips and tricks and things that you can look at online. I don't even want to roll them out. Just, you could look online. There's so many different ways. You could decide that you're going to read like the physical copy of the Bible. There's an amazing website. It's not all that hard to remember. It's called Bible.com. <laughs> How do we get that? That's awesome, right? Bible.com, which is connected to this amazing app called YouVersion. You can have it on your phone. It's got reading plans. It's got reminders. It's got easy. It's easy to access. You can you can start so simply. I would say regardless of how much you're reading the Bible right now, read the Bible five more minutes each day. So if you're not reading it at all, (laughs) five minutes, that's all five minutes. Do you know that if you would read the Bible five minutes every day in one year, you would read for 30 hours. You can get through a lot of the Bible in 30 hours. Daily read the Bible. Allow it to begin to bring transformation into our lives. Also, another thing that brings transformation is to continually talk with God in our heart and our mind. I'm convinced we've tried to make prayer way too complicated. We've tried to talk about where you should do it and how you should do it and what it should look like. And we're all like, ah, that's not working. I want to read a verse to you that when I read it to you, you're going to be like, okay, you've just made it more complicated. Thank you very much. But in reality, if we begin to recognize that prayer is just simply us talking to God in our heart and our mind when whatever we're doing it suddenly becomes simpler. This is what it says. It says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And I realize some of you are thinking, I can't pray. Ten, I can't even find 10 minutes a day to pray. I can't. There's days I don't even remember to pray. And now this verse is telling me I have to pray at all times in every occasion. It seems like it seems like making it'll make work difficult, right? How do I concentrate at work? I'm praying. How do I work out in the middle of my workout? <sighs> Jesus, you know, that doesn't seem right. My friends are going to be really confused in the middle of a conversation. Amen. <laughs> All right. Driving becomes really dangerous. You know, like eyes closed, like clearly this isn't possible. How, we can't possibly do this. How would we possibly pray all the time? But the deal is it must be possible. God's not in the habit of creating things or calling us to do things that are, not impo- that are impossible. He's not trying to frustrate us. So I think we have to change how we approach prayer. I think what we have to do is we have to begin to take the thoughts that we're having at work and the focus that we're giving during our workout and the conversations that we're having with our friends, the times we're driving down the road, essentially anything we're doing, and we just simply invite God's Spirit to be a part of it. It says pray in the Spirit at all times, on every occasion. Hey God, here's what I'm thinking about right now at work. It's a spreadsheet. That's cool. He's like, yeah, good. Nice spreadsheet. Add up those columns. That'll be cool. God, I'm working out right now and I'm trying to be healthy and I want. Great. Thank you. Just invite him to be a part of the process in your conversation with your friends. God, would you give me words to be encouraging? I want to I want to say something, something that's beneficial. Maybe the words that you're sharing with your friend are the words that he wants them to hear. Just invite God to be a part of those things in those thoughts. Just direct them toward him. And so maybe to make that possible, here's something you should try. Set an alarm. 
set a reminder that will go off at the top of each hour, a reminder for you to pray. And then in that moment, spend a couple of moments, God, here's my goal. My goal right now, God, is I want to focus on you throughout the next hour in everything that I'm doing. I'm going to keep doing the same things that I'm always doing, but I'm going to have you in my thoughts. And then in the next hour, remind yourself again. And then the next hour, remind yourself again. And then the next hour, remind yourself again. And all of a sudden, you'll begin to find yourself praying in every occasion. And you don't have to do this at night if you don't want to. I I don't think God was asking us to pray all night long. That would be a really rough night of sleep. So last thing is this. If we want to have an awesome life, commit commit to at least serving monthly at Silver Creek. Now listen, if you're serving more than, more than once a, one time a month, wait, if you're serving more than just one time a month, I'm not asking you to back up. But I am saying if you're not serving at all, you need to aim for this. And if you go to another church, if this is not your home church, just add your church at the end of this. So essentially commit to serving at least one time monthly wherever it is that you go to church. Because when we begin to give of ourselves... When it's not for our own benefit, something powerful and dynamic begins to happen in our lives. When we begin to serve others, we begin to have this new perspective, this new way. We're challenged in ways that nothing else can challenge us. Because suddenly our life is not all about me. My efforts aren't all about me. The situation isn't all about how do I make myself better. And I think what happens is because we're, we're, we're pouring into other people, we're giving service that's not just about myself. I begin to see something positive happening to other people, and it begins to have a greater transformation as to who I am. Because it wasn't about me. It was about somebody else. And there's something great that's happening. Here's what the Bible says. It says a spiritual gift is given to each of us. That means all of us, just each of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us as a means of helping the entire church. See, you have something to offer. You have something to contribute. You have something to give, some way to be involved that only you can bring. There's so many different ways, so many different areas that the church could use your help. And we don't need your help. You need to give your help so it transforms you the way that God wants to transform you. And the church certainly benefits when you and I pour ourselves in and give of ourselves. But the greatest benefit comes for each of us individually when we serve. It doesn't matter how you serve. It could be behind the scenes. Fusion's coming up. There's a lot of setup, a lot of teardown. Maybe that's what you want to do. Maybe you know that you're, you'd be great at teaching, that you have the ability to study and process information and pass that information along to other people. Then you need to talk to us and we'll get you plugged into our next round of connect groups when they come out. We've always got room on our greeting team. Are you friendly? Okay, we can put you to work. If you're not friendly, we'll have you do something behind the scenes, right? You can greet, you can hand out programs, you can get coffee ready. What is it? There's something for you. There was a ton of people last week as we were talking about doing the pizza thing and people were excited about it and wanted to jump in and serve. We haven't even been able to follow up with everybody. There was enough interest from last week. So if that was you last week, be patient. We're going to come to you in a second. But that's so incredibly amazing when people begin to see the potential of what happens if they'll respond. So for you, what is it? How can you get involved? What can you do to help the church? What can you do to help people of the church? What can you help the church do that gets us beyond our own walls and impacts our community and our world? So here's the grand idea for this morning. If you and I will begin to take these five ideas and put them as a part of our lives, we're essentially beginning to allow God to bring transformation to our lives that will develop an awesome life.
But that happens when you and I decide to worship together on a weekly basis. That happens when you and I decide we're going to find a connect group. That happens when you and I decide we're going to read our Bibles daily. That happens when you and I begin to pursue continually talking to God. That happens when we commit to serving at least once a month and giving of ourselves. That's when an awesome life begins to take shape. And every week, you know this, we, begin to, we put these pro, uh, connect cards in your program. And the challenge is that you don't just come to church and hear and then we run off and do whatever. But what's your next step? What are you going to do based on what you've heard this morning? How are you going to respond to what God is saying to you right now? Not what I've said to you, but that thing that's happening right now in your heart, that's sort of prompting you to do something, that's God. How will you respond to what he's telling you to do? Maybe your next step is to commit to consistently being at Sunday services. Maybe your next step is to determine that you will join a connect group. Maybe you need to develop a daily Bible reading plan. Maybe you're going to establish that you're going to pray at least once, one minute every hour, and then allow that to pour into the rest of your hour. Maybe you're going to keep searching until you find a place to serve. Again, I I don't know what it is that God is saying to you, but my hope is that whatever it is, that you'll respond to it. The band's going to come and play one last song. Uh, Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this morning and for the opportunity to gather together. Would you help us to respond to whatever it is that you're saying to us right now? Jesus, you have this incredible ability to speak to each of us individually with wherever we're at in our lives. Would you help each of us to have the courage and the strength to take that next step? Whatever it is right now that you're prompting us, would you help us to begin to move forward in that? Thank you so much for this morning and for your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen.